Hello listeners, this is your host Vikas again with episode number 19. I hope you guys are doing very very well and with the lockdowns easing up, you are getting chances to go out and run more and more here in India or wherever you are around the world. I'm also hoping that you or some of you at least have started to go to work in the offices and as a result during your commute you're getting more time to listen to a podcast if you are doing that great job and please continue doing that in today's podcast we had the pleasure of inviting panchali moitra to the show panchali was on our show earlier as well on episode number 13 where she talked about basics of nutrition basics of weight loss principles around calories how to get started on a weight loss journey etc etc subsequently some of you sent me emails where you requested me to speak with panchali again where she could focus on various cheat meals different diet plans whether they work or not and to demystify some other myths as well we as runners at times take weight loss for granted we are generally assumed to be a community of people that doesn't need to lose as much weight primarily because we just keep running so much but that necessarily is not true all the time isn't it either we have detrained or as a result the volume and intensities have been less or we have not taken care of nutrition in the best possible way and we are not eating optimally we are not meeting our nutrition needs or we have we have certain issues within our bodies and as a result we have hard time getting that weight off or getting that fat off and for us to be able to get back to that journey or to get back to that journey that gives you a result sustainably it's important to understand the principles of these diets the cheat meals and various other things including nutrition and that can only come from someone who's as qualified a researcher and academician as panchali and that's how we sat down to go through some of your questions more in detail one by one and see if we could address them that will give you clear action items i'm sure you'll enjoy the show and i'm also sure even if your 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 friends and family members are not runners they will find it highly highly interactive and useful because look at the end of it weight loss is possibly the most popular topic searched on internet about nutrition isn't it okay without further ado let's welcome panchali to the show panchali welcome back to the show it's great to have you again here with us Great, thank you so much, Vikas, and thank you so much, Vidpage, for calling me back. Nice. Uh, last time around, when we spoke, we talked about uh, essential nutrients. We talked about macro and micronutrients, their role for body functions, and uh, if people want to get started on a fat loss or weight loss journey, how should they approach nutrition? And uh, as we know, nutrition. plays the central role in in achieving any of the the human endeavors or aspirations that in that include fitness or or well-being uh we wanted to continue the conversation from there and uh, and today 
we wanted to get into some more specifics around if people are getting started on a diet plan or things like those what are some of the things they should keep in mind and what are some of those some of the things that they should not keep in mind so that's the kind of generic direction i wanted for it to go does it sound right absolutely i think this is the way we should progress because we've talked about the basics and now we need to get into the nitty gritties of the weight loss what are the kind of diets perhaps there are questions around which ones work and which ones don't work so bring it on because nice. bring it on okay <laughs> yeah let us start with the the side effects of getting on a diet we have um we have seen and experienced time and again that people think the word dieting or the word to get on a diet resonates or is a synonym of getting on a crash course where you are getting into calorie deficit significantly and uh, that is totally untrue as you know so wanted to start with um, what are some of the side effects of getting on a diet and what are a number of these diets that people could get on which work which don't work what has a more conservative approach versus what has a lot more aggressive maybe let's start from here and we'll see how it goes from there then great i think all of them are great questions because uh, i mean there's so much of information all around it definitely gets a bit daunting to pick out which is the one that works for me but today i will start the discussion by removing this negative connotation around the word diet or dieting because the moment you say i'm going on a diet people say oh that means you're going on a something where you are asked to restrict things that you love to eat or you would be like a deprivation so you start equating dieting with deprivation dieting with restriction and that is not what diet is all about so let's start by removing this negative connotation about the word diet because once we do that we will not think about the side effects and we'll just talk about the health benefits of being on a diet so in nutrition science when i say diet it uh, refers to the quality and the quantity of food that you eat and it can mean your habitual intake of specific foods it can mean your daily eating habits the problem starts coming up when you don't plan it well or you do something which you have heard or which had worked for your friend but it is not customized to your nutritional requirement it's not personalized enough for your medical conditions or your health goals so if you are on such kind of a diet plan which is asking you to limit your calories let's say too drastically lower than 1200 kilocalories a day lower than 1000 kilocalories a day or you are on a diet plan which is asking you to go lopsided on one macronutrient and overboard on another one or you are on a diet plan which ask you to do something like drink cabbage soup for the entire day or just have lemon water for next 7 days which is not sustainable in the longer run so these are like the points when you see somebody suggesting you that you should know that these are the ones which might have some kind of side effect which might have some kind of adverse health consequences and you should be wary about them but otherwise i would say there are only health benefits of being on a healthy diet if it is planned well in consultation with a qualified dietitian or a physical trainer or a physician there 
right? Now, the second part of your question was that um, what are the different types, which are the more conservative approaches, which are the more aggressive ones, which will give you these promises of losing 10 pounds in 10 days. And let us uh, be honest, they are very tempting. I mean, who wants to put in efforts of burning calories and reducing calorie intake and then get one half a kg weight loss on a week's time if those promises are true then it's actually a very easy path ahead but unfortunately those diets do not stay with you for a very long duration and the best diets uh, though there is no one diet which is going to work for everybody i would say my personal favorite is a concept called volumetrics diet. Have you heard about this volumetrics diet, Vikas? I have, I have, yeah. yeah. And then great that you, you're talking about it. Yeah, because I have seen that uh, there are so many types of diets there, but some old principles, some basic conservative approaches which ask you to just reduce energy density. Now, this uh, volumetrics diet, which I was talking about, uh, I think it was... Um, I mean, it was started by a professor in Penn State University in USA as an eating approach. And the principle is all around... By Dr. Barbara Rolls, I think. Absolutely right. So, you know, yes, I mean, I mean, she's been around for a long time and she has been talking about it. But uh, there was a lot of discussion around it. And I think the nutrition fraternity was overwhelmed with the simplicity of the approach and so easy to follow and i think all the listeners can incorporate that as a part of the diet plan which they want to talk about uh, so if i can just quickly explain what is this yes please uh, yeah. yeah right so uh, this is basically around using foods that are low in calorie and high in water content so as simple as that so you don't have to watch out for your calories you don't have to watch out for the fat percentage or protein in the diet or adding nutrition supplements or fat burners anything like that the approach is you reduce the energy density and when i say energy density um, it basically means the number of calories that you're providing enough diet or which you get from a food per 100 grams so a food with low energy density which will be high in volume would be like soup will be like watery fruits and vegetables let's say watermelon which is 90 percent water or it can be citrus fruits which are again so rich in water or broccoli for example broccoli i mean they are so low in calories at the same time uh, they provide you with more nutrients for that calorie buck that you are spending on so i mean simple hacks like adding vegetable puris to thicken gravies because you don't need cream you don't need any kind of uh, thickening agent there to give it just add some vegetable puris you would not know but the vegetables will get into your body simple swaps like sit with a big tub of popcorn and eat just one corn at a time instead of sitting with a packet of wafers which you can finish up in seconds and all so little tricks like that can work out very well and i would say if you have to go and get started on a weight loss journey start with the volumetrics approach you would feel full there would not be any cravings you will not feel deprived because you will still have a big bowl of food and a big plate of stuff lying in front of you on the dinner table and that's amazing because um, that makes you feel that you are not depriving yourself or you're not eating less or you are not able to satisfy yourself with food right so i think what you are uh, saying if i can sum it up and and tell me if i'm going off course that is 
select meals that are that have low density in terms of energy that's their caloric value and they have high density of nutrients correct absolutely so energy like per 100 grams how many kilocalories am i getting like if i have 15 almonds i'm going to get 100 kilocalories in contrast to that i can have a one big bowl of watermelon and i would still have 50 kilocalories and that's going to satiate me more that's going to stay with me for longer and i mean i can trick my mind to feel that i am eating a full bowl and right. a full plate right right yeah no no makes sense it it i had i had read of it and what i understood that i think she categorizes this into four different categories and um, uh, the category one is the one where she suggests that you should be you should be taking the maximum food from. And um, category one to four, as you progress, your uh, volume and quantity should be reducing. So that is uh, the category four. That is the, that are the most dense food in terms of calories should be least consumed. That's how I understood. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think the foods like chocolates or sugary desserts, teas, yeah. yeah, they are the category four uh, foods which are there, and the category or one. Or the samosas. Or the samosas, absolutely, or your uh, all those kind of goody treats that you wait for. Stay away from them. Be careful on those issues. Yeah, so absolutely right. Yeah, I think that's a good approach to start. Okay, nice. This makes sense. So. There was one point that you mentioned, and I wanted to just clarify that, where you said that um, if people are on really less energy, really less caloric intake kind of diets, anything less than 1,200 or 1,000 kcal, that is something that worries you a lot. I think what you meant here is that from where where you are, if you are taking a significant dip and you are creating a significant caloric deficit, it's not going to work. In the long term, it's not going to be sustainable, right? Yeah, that and in general, even if you are trying to lose weight, even if you are right now consuming whatever 2,500, 3,000 kilocalorie diet, there is a minimum recommended intake of energy that the body requires to sustain all its functions in the body to allow you to carry out with your daily activities. And that threshold, what we see is around 1,200, 1,400 kilocalories for an adult man, adult woman. Obviously, it would be different depending on the age and the intensity of expenditure that the person is indulging in. But usually, we keep a ballpark number of 1,200 to 1,400 kilocalories at never less than 800 kilocalories because then your body can get into energy deficiency. And we are not just eating calories. We are also eating macros. We're eating carbohydrates, protein. So if you have such a low calorie diet, it can impact the intake of other macronutrients and vitamins and minerals, which will affect your overall well-being and health. So even if you want to lose 15 kgs, 20 kgs, 30 kgs, you don't need to bring down your calorie deficit or calorie intake lower than 800 to 1000 kilocalories. To be on a safer side, don't bring it down below 1200 kilocalories. You play around with your expenditure, you play around with the kind of macronutrients, the quality of macronutrients you're providing in the diet, but don't go very low on calories. Sure. So I think the very next question then that will come about is how to deal with the cravings then i have seen in my experiences of having discussions with people that by the time it approaches evening 
specifically at night people have uh, desert cravings they have chocolate cravings and whatever deficit or discipline compliance they've been in since morning all of this goes haywire because that is the point when they can't control themselves and these are severe cravings when they they have to go and uh, get something from the fridge otherwise they can't get sleep so how do people go about addressing this i think the best way to deal with any cravings whether it is sugar cravings or even i know people who have salt cravings they need to get that salt kick um, at the end of the day in the evenings when they are stressed out or they've just come back home from work so the best way to deal with these cravings is to never eliminate sugar or salt completely from your diet a lot of people uh, in the excitement of getting started just go absolutely cold turkey on sugar they said okay i've stopped taking sugar in my teas and coffees and any kind of meals and all and sometimes it backfires and it causes you to overindulge and it causes you to binge on things which are not right and so one don't stop everything uh, maybe reduce the quantity if you think you're overdoing it but you don't have to go absolutely sugar free and absolutely salt free in your diet the other strategy is that um you need to understand that when you take a very high sweet or a food which has simple carbohydrates we had a brief discussion on that last time that our blood sugar levels jump violently in response to that and when the blood sugar level jumps violently your body produces a massive amount of insulin and this massive influx of insulin in your blood stream then causes a sudden drop in the blood glucose levels because that's the role or the function of insulin in my body to bring the blood glucose levels down and when that sudden drop in blood glucose level happens you start craving for more so in a way the more sugar you eat the more hungry you feel and the more your body craves for it so don't go absolutely cold turkey don't eliminate it and definitely choose your sugars or choose your carbohydrates smartly so go for the ones which provide you with more amount of fiber maybe add a protein along with your carbohydrate because protein increases the level of satiety there if you really want that sugar at the end of your meal maybe pick up some cut fruits which are kept in the fridge and frozen fruits are great you can have dates you can have um any kind of sweet which is sugar even a teaspoon of sugar is sometimes good because that's better than having a piece of cake which is not only sugar but also saturated fat and it might have some amount of other toppings and creams and all which so you're overdoing on the calories along with meeting your sugar cravings and all yeah it's a, yeah very insightful i think uh, it makes a lot of sense what i wanted to add the the point of uh, um consuming food that are satiating in nature and primarily uh, anything that's uh, dense with protein is going to be satiating having that in advance of uh, you approaching an evening or whenever you feel most hungry could be the right approach as well and uh, how i've seen it has worked for me uh, for a number of years that i plan my food since morning and i i plan it in a way that i'm i'm full from the morning through the evening and i'm 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 planning it in a way that if i know that i'm going to feel hungry about 9 pm 
then I'm going to have a, a larger portion of protein meal at around seven. So I'm not saying everybody should be uh, consuming large protein, large protein portions because it depends on their TD and various other things. But it has worked for me that if I'm not hungry, I'm not going to crave as well as much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's all comes down to A, what your body wants and B, what your tongue wants. Now, what your body right. what your body wants, you can manipulate it by these things, adding protein, planning ahead, keeping these high volume, low energy density foods in close vicinity of whenever you know that the hunger pangs are going to strike you. So these are excellent strategies and they are definitely going to work for you. But then sometimes it's the tongue which is the king and which going to call what gets onto your in your mouth. In those cases, then you keep some raisins, some honey, some dates. I would say go and have sugar because that's still going to be better than other foods which are sweet but are also loaded with calories and might not be done and all. Also, I wanted to add one more thing because here that... Um, in practice, I have seen that sometimes craving sweets a lot uh, can be an indication of lack of nutrients such as chromium, such as tryptophan. So people who are on diets on and off, who keep going too low in calories or who get on to one kind of a diet plan and then move on to another kind of a diet plan and then in between overeat and get all the weight back, I have seen they are much more uh, at risk of nutrient deficiencies and these nutrient deficiencies like chromium deficiency or tryptophan deficiency can make you crave sweet more than a normal person would be crave for that so watch out for these diet plans and these yo-yo dieting also as a strategy to keep the cravings away right and and do you suggest are there any other indications through which they know for sure that this may be one of the reasons and if that is the case, then should they approach their nutritionist or meet their doctor or how should they be approaching it? It's a very tricky uh, balance that you need to know for yourself, whether you are craving for sweet because you are emotionally distressed or because you're uh, generally bored or because you are hungry and you feel like eating a very high energy dense because remember it's evolutionary biology my body craves for energy when the body does not have enough calorie intake at all so don't get into that cycle in the first place to answer your question are there any other signs yes frequent mood swings you feel very happy and suddenly you're feeling very sad so this mood swings are also a very good indicator of maybe you are not eating the correct kind of carbohydrates in your diet um, sometimes people look at the blood sugar levels and before that there are other markers like crp and c-reactive proteins which can give you an indicator indication about maybe the glucose is going to haywire in next few months next few years so keep an eye on them and simple tips like, are you feeling very thirsty? Are you feeling very hungry? Do you, um, are you getting disturbed sleep? Are you feeling a lack of energy? So these are things that you should be more mindful about. And they can tell you that your body is lacking in some nutrient. And because it is lacking, it's craving for something which provides you with that extra energy in the diet. One, one very related question to this is going to be around the hidden energy sources like hidden sugar or hidden salt. A lot of people, um, they make purchases thinking it's a healthy food that they have purchased. 
possibly because it's a, it's packed in an uh, in a brown bag or it's a it's available at a fancy food store or uh, or it possibly even being sold as a dry fruit or such but actually if you read the nutrition level you will see that it's coated with sugar or salt it's processed to some extent and you don't even get to understand and know that a lot of times as you know a lot of these uh, trail mixes and other uh, dry fruits that are available uh, to increase the taste of the food and sweetness they are artificially um, integrated with sugar right and that's ingested and uh, how should they really be differentiating when they are making a purchase decision how should they understand that uh, these are these are some of the pitfalls that they should look out for so that they are not they are not buying something uh, from the very start self that might have these um, sugar or salt sources yeah i think very good question because um, sometimes sugar is hidden in foods which are not even sweet enough so like tomato ketchup i mean who thought that tomato ketchup is so rich in sugar i mean you would say that oh i know a biscuit or i know a piece of chocolate might be loaded with sugar but who would have thought that a teaspoon of tomato ketchup can do as much harm to you so i think the suggestion here would be to be a bit more aware about which foods might hide sugar which foods might hide salt in it and uh, i mean salt you would know that uh, maybe pickles condiments uh, all these kind of even a cake which you think is a sugar rich can also be a salt rich because a lot of uh, sodium gets into uh, processed cakes and processed cookies and all these things so when you try to look at there are a lot of resources is a lot of information and you identify that these are the foods i like to eat and among these foods these are the ones which are more likely to be high in salt and high in sugar and once you have done that one step ahead towards um, staying away from these foods or not falling prey to the advertisements and all the second is you can learn to read the labels properly because lot of this extra sugar and extra salt comes through processed packaged ready to eat foods and all so if i can read the label uh, i would know that uh, a i don't even need to look at the nutritive value i can just look at the order of the ingredients and if i see that the refined flour is first in the list and last is a multigrain flour or a bean flour or anything else i know that this is a predominantly refined flour simple carbohydrate rich food which is there and all again if salt and additives are added much early on in the list or the order of ingredients you should know that this is going to be very high in salt or very high in sugar then watch out for these other terms like fructose or high fructose syrups or corn syrup or dextrose these are all different ways to hide sugar in your diet without calling it sugar in the first place the same thing with yeah, yeah. anything sorry anything ending with osc possibly right absolutely i mean yeah i mean a lot of times we say that just don't look at the first three letters look at the three uh alphabets which go and you're absolutely right because anything which is oac has to be a carbohydrate rich and it's camouflaging and making it sound there so yes that's a one good strategy and then you also look at the order of the ingredients and you make an informed decision there uh which can be done and then second thing i also wanted to highlight that uh, don't just think that a low fat is healthy or low sugar is healthy because low fat 
can also be loaded with sugar and a low sugar can be loaded with fat so make sure it's both low fat and low sugar or high fiber and high fiber along with that it is also low in fat so keep these things um, you have to be like a label sleuth what i call it like you have to be like a detective to look around so that nobody can fool you enough with these gimmicks and these stuffs i remember a, a client would come to me and would say that i'm going for brown breads every day and i think i've made a very healthy decision in my life to do that <laughs> yeah i mean a brown bread yes i mean you should you should demystify this one yeah but sometimes yeah. color to a bread can be given by just caramelizing the sugar so it's not exactly the healthiest version of the bread i want to eat so look for whole grain if you're going for multi grain turn the packet and see which all grains are there is it just wheat flour and different variations of wheat flour which has been talked about in multi grain or if i see corn and maize and soya just end in the order of the ingredients i know that even if it's multi grain maybe it's just 1% 2% 5% of the total grain uh, proportion which is there and all right so if they are trying to trick us right. we can be smarter than them right so that's the strategy here <laughs> <laughs> yeah true um you're very right uh, also anything that has uh, uh any inclusion of something like syrup is another thing people should be watching out for um you're absolutely right that looking at uh looking at stuff that are non processed or least processed are another way of uh, finding out or reducing the the uh, the sugar as as a key ingredient um and you're absolutely right if there is one thing people should do when they are making their grocery shopping and if they are getting started it could be spending some time in understanding how to read the nutrition level it will help them not only for their general lives and on their weight loss journeys but also for sports performances and things like those and as you know we cover running walking and overall fitness as one of the primary objectives of this podcast it is it is valid for almost everyone alike and so this is one of the smartest decision people will make if they if they approach this way absolutely i totally agree with you i mean and it's true for everybody not as you correctly mentioned that not only people who are trying to lose weight or watch calories or who are diagnosed with high blood pressure and now they want to look out for the sources of sodium in the foods that they're eating it's actually a general healthy principle for everybody from any age group for any uh, kind of sport no sport amateur professional it works for everybody and that's the way we should be a health conscious community whom nobody can fool right right yeah right dieting also comes with another buzzword that is cheat meal it is like before we look at our weeks we look at our weekends right so similarly um the the cheat meal concept is something that's been looked at by um the followers of any diet plan with with lot of interest what's your thought around this buzzword and if at all people went on a splurge they they had a cheat meal to what extent it is right at what stage do they think they need to be worried about and i i think what we should do here panchali is uh, demystify if they have cheat meal what are its consequences not only in terms of the caloric surplus intake but also in addition that it just 
doesn't directly translate into a weight gain. It means number of other things and people possibly don't need to get worried. But I don't want to sound like an expert. I want to draw your attention to it and see what do you think about it. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, before we get on to anything, we look for ways to cheat. So that's a common psychology which we have. And it's a very uh, fair way of trying to find out a way out. And so what I do, I advise cheat meals. So let me say it's not good, but I don't call it them cheat meals. I call them reward meals. So what it does is that you set some ground rules. You set the ground rules in terms of frequency, in terms of uh, composition of that uh, cheat meal and when are you going to cheat so frequency means how often are you going to cheat so you set those ground rules before you actually start cheating on a diet plan what is the composition when i say you sit down and you speak with your dietitian and you figure out am i going to splurge with a 300 kilocalorie cheat meal or 500 or i can have the flexibility of going all out and maybe have 700 800 calories loaded up in one meal so i'm not saying anything is good anything is bad but usually setting up the ground rule before you get started is the first step that you need to do that where you decide how often what and how much of calories am i allowed to take and third, when am I going to do that? Am I going to do it on the first day? Am I going to do that cheat meal after I have achieved a certain target? Maybe the day I weigh myself and I see, yes, I have lost what I wanted to lose or have achieved the goal that I wanted to achieve. Maybe that day you reward yourself with something that you have been missing out and you wish to take it there and on. So cheat meal per se is not a wrong concept. It's a good concept because it helps you to stay on motivated. It helps you, gives you the pleasure of doing something which you have restricted yourself from doing. Now, I remember I started the discussion of today's uh, podcast with saying that don't equate uh, dieting with deprivation but there would be some restrictions you cannot do everything that you have been doing so there would be some discipline some restrictions and in that case a cheat meal can actually work very well if you set the ground rules and you follow the ground rules and you discuss those ground rules with your dietitian there and all right so usually a 300 to 400 kilocalorie cheat meal at the start of the week and rewarding yourself with something when you have achieved it's going to make you continue doing that uh, your diet plan for a longer duration but if you feel that that one cheat meal actually makes it very more difficult for you to come back to a diet routine that you have been following you postpone that cheat meal after you have achieved a certain kind of weight loss so let's do it once in a month then again, you discuss it with your nutritionist, uh, how you want to do it, and when do you want to. Sure. So, so this is this is one aspect of it. I think it's very important for people to know the the extent of which a cheat meal may be permissible and it may be forgiving. So, of course, they should not go all out and go in coma eating so much. But but having like you said, a three hundred to four hundred kcal surplus might might make sense. Now, my question here was going to be. If what if it's a unplanned cheat meal, you ended up going somewhere, you ended up going to a party or you ended up going to a feast, honestly, uh, and you say ended up consuming 1000 kcal extra. 
what does this mean um, onto your weighing scale or other goals that you have set forth for yourself in long term? Is it that you should be excessively worried um, the next day or what what does it mean? Where does that 1000k cal extra go? Is it going to get converted into fat right away and going to um, leave me devastated because it has possibly undone everything that I was trying for last two weeks, for example? Um, I mean, if you know that you're going to travel out or if it's a planned eating out with your friends, uh, you can look at some tips like you can... Um, make sure that you don't go absolutely hungry to that party your stomach is full so you have a sandwich you maybe have uh, cheese strings or you have bran cookies or you eat something before you go to a party so that's one strategy so that you don't go empty stomach so you are able to resist all the wrong things which are being served on that uh, or ordered with the friends or ordering if you're going out to a restaurant there and all the second thing is that uh, if you're traveling outside and you are planning to eat in a restaurant, there are healthy options. Just because you're eating out does not mean that it has to be bad or unhealthy or calorie laden or it has to set you back by 1,000 kilocalories in a meal. You can choose still wisely. You can go for a grilled chicken sandwich. You can go for a seafood platter. If you're like me, you can go for sushi. Amazing. It is expensive. You you want to enjoy if you feel you're indulging yourself it's very good for health and it's absolutely safe and it will not set you back in your calorie intake and all if you're going for um, alcoholic drinks um, or any kind of beverages ensure that you understand the harm and you don't take those with very high uh, sugary mixers and also don't take it with tonic water don't take it with carbonated beverages don't take it with fruit juices maybe go with uh, red wine if you want to do that now the second part of your question was what if it was unplanned and i did not get time to eat or i did not get time to even wisely choose because only those one options were there and it was out of a sudden um, I would say it will, it can cause, it will definitely high calories, your body is going to struggle to take it out. So you should be careful about it. But there is no formula that if I eat 500 kilocalories, I have to run for 30 minutes more and then I am safe and I'm guilty free. Unfortunately, life is not as simple as that and it doesn't work that way. So if you are were able or you had to cheat and there were no other options because of which you had to cheat it's okay you pull yourself up even if you are you have gained one kg because of that one meal which is unlikely maybe you would get half a kg there it's okay you'll be disciplined you get back you pull yourself up you stay motivated and ensure that next 15 days you're true to your diet plan that's perfectly fine not an issue don't worry too much about it because health is not only a number on a weighing scale even if i have increased half a kg one kg it's okay don't beat yourself for that don't worry that doesn't mean you can do those cheat meals every now and then and that's not that's not a free pass for that but uh, if you had to do it and you could not have helped it it's okay don't beat yourself up just pull yourself up and get back to your plan yeah just just possibly get on with it and uh and stop thinking too much of what's been done, um, but be motivated and driven to 
continue following a plan that you can sustainably sustainably do it for a longer period of time absolutely absolutely and don't feel that it's a failure or oh i missed it out or you feel very uh, anxious i have lot of people who have to attend a family wedding and they know people would be watching them and they start getting anxious 3 days in advance that what will i eat what will i do i cannot tell them i'm on a, a diet plan or on a weight loss plan don't get flustered i mean in any meal when you go outside there will always be options which are healthier than the other ones so choose those options go full stomach don't go empty stomach and it's okay if you do it pull yourself up and get back to that sure what do you think about the role of supplements in regards to weight loss do you think supplements are needed for uh, fat loss or it's entirely possible using the the food that you're getting from your kitchen naturally do you think uh, the the fat burners and number of other over the counter pills etc that are available should people be lured is there any merit in it or it's a, it's it's totally a marketing gimmick and people should at all costs be avoiding these Mm, do you need supplements i would say no you don't need supplements but can you take supplements to quicken your weight loss efforts or to get your muscle hypertrophy a bit faster maybe yes you can but under supervision as per your physician or nutritionist recommendations because they know what is going to work for you just an over the counter just because something you heard or somebody told you that it's going to work that's not the way we do health and nutrition supplements for that matter because these fat burners nutrition supplements have much higher amount of a particular nutrient that you would get from uh, any natural sources or any dietary sources and all so you should be always careful about that uh, that what is it which is there in the supplement why am i taking it because i am deficient and i cannot meet the deficiency with a healthy balanced diet or if i am doing it to speed up my metabolism or suppress my appetite i should do it under supervision i'm not saying don't do it at all but i'm saying that in some cases it can be done but you have to do it under supervision don't just do it on your own now yeah so i mean you don't need to do it but it's okay there are these things and if you choose wisely i know of green tea supplements caffeine supplements which work beautifully and which can be included in a healthy dietary regime but under supervision because you cannot just go in the market and take a supplement you don't know what all the ingredients what are the proportion and if you don't understand the form in which it is available you might Uh, get into toxicity of the supplements it might interfere with the kind of medicines you are taking it might do more harm than good so be careful about that okay very valid points all righty let's uh, continue um, i think we have picked up a pretty good pace we covered uh, we covered a lot in terms of uh, how to approach your weight loss journey and how to get on diet plan which way works versus what are some of the things that could be avoided we also talked about um cravings and how to address them we looked at the role of supplements and uh, you were very right that if at all there is a need of supplement that should be identified and prescribed by by an expert 
and do not try and uh, an attempt to buy something from over the counter or if it's just available in your house because someone else is having it because you may just not need it entirely and it might do more more harm than doing good so i think that makes a lot of sense how about we move towards understanding how do you measure success like if you can see milestone based at regular intervals your smaller successes when you are going towards any journey and that is very valid for weight loss as well i think uh, the weighing scale becomes another very popular friend as people get started with uh, their weight loss journeys so so here the question is what are some of the ways through which people can measure their progress and uh, how should they be measuring it should they create a log weekly daily monthly how should they be approaching it yeah i think uh, yes if you are on a weight loss plan the end goal is to lose weight so definitely you'll have to make friends with the weighing machine and you will have to keep a note of that but don't do it too frequently don't step on it every day three times a day because that is going to actually make it more difficult to get on to the journey of weight loss so maybe once a week is a good idea and do it first thing in the morning empty stomach so that it is something which is consistent if i check my weight one day at 6 in the morning and the next day 6 in the evening your body will be in a different physiological state because of which your weight might seem to be fluctuating when it is actually just your normal state so yes you definitely can keep a um, log where you can note we have so many mobile applications now which can help you in this process of logging all the uh, details in terms of your weight in terms of the type of food you have eaten type of exercise you have done whether you have stuck to your medicine how much you have slept so we have technology at our fingertips for each of these things and you can definitely go ahead and use it but there are other uh, intangible ways of measuring progress beyond the number that you see on a weighing scale and that can be perhaps your body measurements and all so you can do your waist circumference measurement your hip circumference measurement your thigh circumference measurement and sometimes you see better progress there and that progress motivates you to continue with your effort that you are putting into be on a healthy path right so body measurements are one another thing that can be looked at beyond that maybe you can look at your digestive complaints because i have seen when you are on a wrong diet when you are not eating correctly you have a much more digestive complaint there might be constipation bloating acidity problems and once you get onto a right kind of a diet you see that these problems are gradually getting reduced and you feel much better there and on you might feel better in terms of your energy levels you might feel more active you might feel more alert i have seen people don't get annoyed as quickly when they are on eating a right food because we just discussed some time back that how sugar in itself can mess up with your mood so much so if you are eating correctly you will not get annoyed you will not bug people so much you might have better sleep you might have better focus you might have better alertness and these are some things which you should crave for beyond the weighing scale and the number on the scale sure yeah no i think the the body measurements is a, it's a great way like you suggested and this is one small point here when if you have a measuring tape and you're measuring your waist circumference generally at your navel level is what works i'm just giving a small tip in case people want to understand where should they exactly be measuring 
So, so this could be one thing to to note. Another thing that I've seen that works, uh, Panchali, is um, keeping a record of your pictures on a weekly basis. You know, because because these are are pretty motivating ways, and also obviously visually very appealing for you to see that you your body is going through a change that is going to impact you positively. So, so this this is another thing that people can actually. Uh, uh, adapt to maybe not every day but of course uh, they can look at once in every two weeks or once every week they can take their whole body pictures and keep a record of that as well yeah i think it's a good idea but um i mean while it might help me to more keep myself motivating because that's a visual uh appeal of my progress which is happening there and that's an amazing way of looking at it there but don't get obsessed about it don't get obsessed about having a very perfect body having a correct uh, kind of measurements in the correct places of your body because that's not a very healthy addiction you want to build when you're getting started on a weight loss journey so while it's okay but don't get obsessed about your body image and figure and photographs and selfies and all that no i have i have i have another approach to it and why i say this is because look uh, what i mean by um, taking pictures and the body measurements how these also help as you know the visceral fat that is um, that is associated directly with it like if you if you have excessive fat um, that is visceral um, you know you have much higher chances of uh, type 2 diabetes among many other diseases and uh, if you're able to see that difference on a weekly or bi-weekly basis I think it's a, it's a definitely a good health indicator isn't it Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with that. And uh, in India, somehow we have a problem which we call as lean obesity, where you have central adiposity, you have more weight around your waistline, around your abdominal area, but your BMI comes out to be in the normal range. And it is happening now across the world. It's not only a, a phenotype which is now restricted to an Indian phenotype there. So yes, uh, for such people, Perhaps weight is not the correct indicator and the better indicator would be your body measurements or body fat percentage or body composition measurements, which can be also done. And there are instruments which can measure your body composition very correctly there and all. So you're right, that definitely can be a motivating factor. Right. There was, there was one point in, um, in the previous uh, discussion you mentioned, in fact, a couple of minutes ago, that was around bloating and coincidentally someone sent me an Instagram message day before yesterday where she requested that the topic of bloating be included in some ways. So her question was, um, she deals with bloating as an issue on a regular basis, how she should go about discovering the issues that might be around it, the causes of it and uh, how to go about solving this. Do you think uh, this is something that you could help address at this stage? Um, yes, I mean, um, definitely. One of the reasons that you have uh, can be related to the fiber and the fluid intake in your diet. So if you are too low in fiber intake, the bowel movements or the gastric emptying rate would reduce. And because of which, if it keeps sitting in your stomach for a longer time, the bacteria are going to have a field day and it will cause uh, release of all those gases, which are going to make you feel bloated and cause flatulence and all the symptoms that come with that. So 
possibly maybe look at your fiber intake look at the fluid intake because both go hand in hand i might be eating enough flu uh, fiber but maybe i'm not having enough uh, fluids in my diet or it can be vice versa there so that's one way of understanding that the second uh, there are some foods which give uh, bloating to certain people especially the oligosaccharides like the ones which you have in beans and certain types of whole grains and all some people have certain types of insensitivity or i would say rather high sensitivity to some kind of foods which are there and they can be the culprit when it comes to bloating and flatulence now how do you handle flatulence by stepping up the fiber stepping up the fluid and then using those natural remedies which are there in your kitchen maybe have more ginger have more fennel have more spices like cloves and cardamom because they act like something we call carminative and laxative so carminative is something which releases gas which is an anti-flatulent and it helps in improving indigestion per se there uh, even having a glass of warm water with half a lemon squeezed out it's good because that helps to uh, lower down and detoxify your body and that can also help in reducing the risk of bloating there and all also one more thing um, if you see that there are certain foods like dairy or wheat products which is when you eat them you have higher bloating uh, symptoms and all maybe you can go for some test and you can rule that it's not gluten insensitivity it's not lactose intolerance which is causing you these problems and all so this is like a few tips which are general tips but if you want a further thing, maybe you'll have to go to a dietitian who can understand what is it that is at the problem and which can be solved right at the root there. Right. Okay. No, I think I think it's uh, um, it's pretty helpful. This makes a lot of sense. Panchali, I think in today's episode, we covered significantly about um, how to continue on a diet plan and how to make these informed decisions that you do not fall prey to various known pitfalls that are going to um, to set set uh, to create a setback on your on your nutrition journey on your diet plan or fitness journey etc. We I think we made significant progress uh, today. I wanted to see if uh, there is anything additional that you would want to cover um, as people are continuing with their plans and. Uh, is there anything that people should avoid? Any any other closing notes that you'd want to suggest to people? No, I think we covered a lot and I'm really, it's absolutely, absolute pleasure to talk to you and discuss these issues and all. If you want me to add something which we have not yet discussed, I would say that uh, two, three things. One, that uh, don't compare yourself with others because you have a unique uh, metabolic activity combination of genetics lifestyle and your weight loss plan should also be unique so don't compare yourself with other people yes you include all the healthy eating principles that you are already doing or you already know of but don't compare your weight loss achievements your success your failures your diet plans with what somebody else is doing Another thing which I wanted to highlight which I started today's discussion with is that um, forget about diet forget about the negative connotation about diet and forget about quick fix solutions uh, forget about perhaps even your past weight loss failures because 
I have seen the key to lose weight is more behavioral, more attitudinal than what is already on your plate there and all. So you don't think about dieting away as a short-term fix. It's something which should be adopted as a lifetime. Healthy eating should be continued for a lifetime. There's no deadline. There are no uh, end to that. And there's no uh, nothing that you achieve and then you stop doing that and you do that. So I think those are a couple of things which I wanted to share, which I feel it's more in terms of how we think about weight loss and how we think about dieting which at the end of it helps you to be successful in your weight loss journey and all. And maybe I'll just add one more point if you give me another 30 seconds. Yeah, I know of course, I please. talk a lot. Yeah, but then I think I would just say that, um, again, don't obsess too much about weight because uh, when it comes to metabolic health, uh, achieving healthy weight is an important piece in the puzzle, but it's just a piece in the puzzle. You still have to... Uh, be active you still have to sleep well you still have to manage your stress properly keep an eye on your dietary habits perhaps stay hydrated be positive and i mean it's just one of it so don't get too flustered about only weight try to adopt healthy eating as a way of life and i'm sure the benefits would be much more than you can see or measure or people can comment on at the end of the day Great closing notes, Panchali. Thank you so much for being with us. This was a pleasure uh, to have you again. And uh, I'm sure our listeners will benefit a great deal from this conversation. And if there are any subsequent questions that come by, I will definitely take the liberty of reaching out to you. Thank you so much, Vikas. Thank you so much. It was absolutely enjoyable, guys. This was all for today. I hope you became a nutrition expert by now by listening in to the episode number 13 and this one episode number 19 if you have any questions about nutrition nutrition principles how do you how do you plan your diet how to eat better etc please shoot me an email and i'll be happy to get them addressed by panchali or our in-house team of nutritionists good luck and i look forward to speaking with you exactly in a week from now Thank you for listening. We have a lot more to offer on nutrition, training and fitness. Check the FitPage app or visit our website fitpage.in.